share your bread. My senior year in college, I went on an alternative spring break mission trip, and I met somebody that changed my life. There was this other guy on this trip named Ray. And as I talked to Ray, we had a lot of time over the course of the week, of hanging out and serving together, that he, he told me what he would do. That, you know, we were at ASU, and in Tempe, especially along Mill Avenue, there's a lot of people. And Ray would go out at night, and he would walk the streets, and he would see homeless people. There's a lot of homeless teenagers and young people, too. And he would meet them, find out their name, find out where they were from. He would talk to them, listen to their story. And he told me the police stopped him a few times because, you know, who's this guy talking to all these homeless people? Is he trying to sell drugs or something? But he said, no, what he was doing was loving Christ in them. Whatever you do to the least of these, you do for me. And it struck me because I was also a college student. And at night, I was trying to do the homework that I didn't get done yet. I was thinking about sleeping. I was thinking about what I was going to do and who I was going to hang out with that weekend. But Ray was going out to encounter these people who had a name and a story. He wanted to let them know that they weren't forgotten. The prophet Isaiah proclaims today, Share your bread with the hungry. Shelter the oppressed and the homeless. Clothe the naked when you see them, and do not turn your back on your own. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. The Lord, who gives us everything, invites us to share what we've been given with others. And I'm not just talking about money. St. Paul in 1 Corinthians today says, I did not come with sublimity of words or of wisdom, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That the most valuable treasure that we have is our faith. That for somebody who's down and out, somebody who's depressed, somebody who feels alone, to offer them the love of Christ is is infinitely more valuable than anything else. I was moved recently. A student shared with me this story. They were um, over at a coffee shop downtown, and this homeless gentleman came in and basically sat down and started talking. And this student is very courageous. It was like, I wasn't scared. It's a human being. And, And we started to talk, and they ended up talking for about 45 minutes. And from my understanding, this gentleman never asked for anything. And when he got up and he, and he left, he turned and he said uh, to the effect of, thank you for talking to me, because there aren't many people that want to talk to me. That what this student offered this gentleman was something more valuable than a piece of food or a dollar bill, but to treat him with dignity and compassion to treat him as a human being. That's a message for all of us, whether we, we we don't, by the way, I don't want you going out and talking to every homeless person you see, right? That, That 
The, the truth is there's a lot of mental illness. There's a lot of substance abuse, and it's, it can be very dangerous. However, I can still treat the person I encounter as Christ. My, my roommates, my friends, my classmates, the person I encounter on the streets. I can treat them with dignity and compassion. I can ask them a question and listen to the answer. That's what we're called to do. That, that, that speaks loudly in a culture that's so absorbed in me. When you're the person at the bus stop or in the classroom who's not on their phone, but looks around and says, hey, how's it going? Like, oh, uh, fine. <laughs> you know, like, I just noticed you're a human being and you're like three feet away from me, so I thought I'd say hi. That, doesn't that stand out as different nowadays? And, what are we, and then they look at that and they say, you're different. What makes you different? They say, it's, it's my faith. It's Jesus Christ. And, and I'd love to share that with you if, you if you're open to hearing that. Jesus calls us today. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a bushel basket. Just so your light must shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. The goal is not to have people say, oh, look at how great Father Matt is. Look at how great this student is. That's not why we do it. But if we are living our, our faith authentically, it's like a light in the darkness. It's a contrast to what people are experiencing elsewhere. In the early church, there was a, one of the pagan emperors, he, he, he wrote, um, so we have a copy of it, to his, he's writing to his friend and he said, these Christians that are not welcome, these Christians that we are persecuting, actually treat us better than we treat each other. These people that we're persecuting are treating us better than we treat our friends. And it got his attention. That's what happens when we, when we live for Christ. I don't do it so people notice, but people will notice. And, and we're called to, to not just do that with our words, but to do that with our actions and, and how we live our lives. The readings today really are about, there's a lot of action and you know, charity and it's beautiful, I think we can feel proud to be Catholic this day, that the Catholic Church is the largest social charity organization in the world. That in the history of the world, when you study the history of these movements, you study the history of public education, of health care, it was Catholics who initiated that. Otherwise, people just took care of their own. The Catholics said, well, what about that guy down the street? He's a human being too, let's, let's, let's see if he needs help. And, and so this, this movement, it's a, it's a very Catholic thing that we continue to do today. And that when we go with food and shirts and whatever's needed, we go not just with material things, but we go with the invaluable love of Christ. There's a lot of organizations that do this. You know, you have aid to the church in need and Catholic charities and Catholic relief services. Um, and, and as I've learned about it, I was talking to Father Will the other day, and he was sharing with me that, that not all charity is the same. When he, he, went, to, he went with a, a mission group down to Haiti, and they were telling him in Haiti, they said, we have a problem here. I said, what's that? They said, the problem is that a lot of people, well-intentioned, are sending shoes and clothes and stuff to Haiti. He's like, that, that seems great. He said, but what we found was that when... Uh, when a mother saw her son received shoes and clothes from somebody else, the mother said, 
someone else is going to take care of my son and moved on with her life. That, that even though it was a good gesture, what they noticed was that if, we just, if they gave the goods directly to children, that parents would basically just stop taking care of them. So what they did was, and this is what the Catholic organizations would do, is they would actually give the stuff to the parents. They say, what, is, what do you need to help take care of your family? So, well, my son needs shoes. Great, here's some shoes. You can give them to them because you are still the one responsible for taking care of your son. Do you feel the difference? So not all charity is the same. It's kind of like, well, there was, I remember when I was in college, there was an organization that for every pair of shoes you bought, they would give a pair of shoes to Africa. Well, what happened is that in Africa, all the people who made shoes and sold shoes went out of business. That they lost their businesses that they now didn't have a job and didn't have a way to provide for their families because there's well-intentioned people trying to do something good. So not all charity is the same. Catholic charity really tries to understand the situation, meet people where they're at, and help them in a way that's dignified, that helps lift them up and not just give them a handout. And so today, we have a chance to do some good Catholic charity because of the, the annual diocesan appeal, the, the charity and development appeal. Um, that's what these, these envelopes are for. And I, I invite you, it's just an invitation, to, to fill this out and to put it in the basket. I, I, started this, I started supporting this when I was in college. I was like, I don't have much money, but as my eyes were open to the needs in the world, I said, there's a lot of needs, and I can't do it because I got a paper due tomorrow. You know, like, I, I don't have a lot of money, but I recognize that if I put my little bit in, and everybody puts their little bit in, that together we can help the homeless people walk in the streets in Flagstaff. We can help the people down in Phoenix, throughout the diocese. And so, I think I started with like 50 bucks, like, and you kind of spread it out over the year when I was in college. And so there, there's more than 70 organizations. I want to talk about a couple that I'm basically going to share with you why I give. So the first is um, the Newman Center. Uh, uh, this year, we, we benefit from the CDA. Uh, this year, we received $85,000 in grant money to make this happen. So everything that happens at the Newman Center, it's the charity and development appeal that helps make that happen. So, and they actually give us a lot more than we ever give them as a community. You know? So I'm just very grateful for that. Secondly, the formation of priests. Uh, my whole seminary formation uh, was sponsored by the CDA. So when young men go to seminary, it's the CDA that covers it. This past year, we started something called the Nazareth House in the Diocese of Phoenix. And what it is, is if, if you go directly to seminary out of high school, your first two years, you live in um, an old convent down in Phoenix. There's five seminarians and three priests that live there. And the idea is that it's like where, we're, where we grow as humans is in a family. But for many people, those families are imperfect. They're all imperfect. And so we want to create settings that are like families because in a family, we receive unconditional love and support. We also receive challenge. Hey, bro, you didn't do the dishes. You know, like you, you, you get that feedback to grow. And so the Diocese of Phoenix started a uh, college formation house and it actually saves the diocese money. Instead of paying and outsourcing it to somebody else, 
doing it ourselves, we're saving money. Third, I, I really do get bothered by uh, people, you know, I see, I see homeless people and I'm like, I wanna do something, but I've heard from police officers, it's not good to give money because that's kind of that charity that actually is not helping. So, so this supports Catholic charities. It supports St. Vincent de Paul. Um, I also give to them directly, but um, fourth, there's an organization that's supported called St. Joseph the Worker. St. Joseph the Worker, um, it's in downtown Phoenix. I've toured it. And what they do is, you, you think about how do we get someone off the streets? Well, we give them a job. Okay, well, but they need things. Okay, so here's what they do. They come in, they do an inventory of skills. What are your skills? And then they compare it with jobs available, and they help connect you with a job. So that's great but I'm still dirty. Okay, so look, they give them a shower, and then they give them clothes, dress clothes, and then they sit down and teach them how to interview. What they're doing is they're help empowering this person, they're giving them dignity, and they're helping them connect them with resources that'll be self-sustaining. St. Joseph the Worker. Lastly, there's a group called Foundation for Senior Living. I had heard about them, but now I know about them. You know, in, in some cultures, we really take care of grandparents well. You know, grandma and grandpa get old, they come and they live with us. And there's this intergenerational living that's really healthy. But we don't see that very much, do we? Instead, I know from visiting the peaks and stuff here, there's a lot of people in the peaks who never see their kids. They don't come and visit. And so there's an organization called Foundation for Senior Living, and they help people who are elderly. So in particular, so my mom takes care of my dad who has dementia. But what senior, and, and, and we, we, we choose to do that as a family because we figure no one's gonna love my dad and be patient with him like my mom. But that's a full-time job for somebody who's like approaching 80, you know? Um, and so what happens is uh, the Foundation for Senior Living, they have this program where they come and they actually pick people up from the house and drive them to the center, and it gives my mom eight hours free, a couple days a week, where she can go do shopping. That she can get on the phone and figure out that insurance stuff and get that doctor's appointment that she's called four times about to figure out, right? You know, like, she's, it gives her some space. Now, she still pays the Foundation for Senior Living, but it's subsidized to make it affordable. Um, and so, I, what I've noticed when my dad started going to this place, was I came home and he was engaging with me differently. And I was like, that's interesting. And I thought about it. Because when he sits at home all day, and he's sleeping, he's watching TV, he's just sitting there. But at this place we call the fitness center, um, we don't want to call it adult daycare, we call it fitness center, <laughs> that there's volunteers that come and interact with people. There's groups that come in and sing. They come in and they throw the ball at him and he throws the beach ball back. And there's people he's sitting around a table eating lunch together with people. And, and I noticed that he became more, he's become more alert, that he's, he's engaging more because they're treating him with dignity. And so those are some of the things that, that the CDA supports. Those are, those are the reasons why I give that are most important to me. And, and what I have found is as I've given more just to whatever I give, that it, it actually adds more value to me. And I know that I'm sharing not just resources, but I'm actually sharing my faith with everything. And I do that, I give,
Because I have first been given by the one who gives to me. The one who comes in the form of bread, but who gives me everything I have. And shows me that the way to experience fulfillment and love and life is to give myself away also. That as I give, that my life and love do not decrease. But as I give in Christ, my love, my faith continues to increase. 